Welcome to the Harvest Sound Podcast. For music and mission, truth and prophecy, creativity and compassion merge as one. All right. Well, praise be to God. Thank you for, again, supporting us. And we're going to jump into the word of the Lord for today. And we're going to go into Ephesians um, chapter 4. Verse 25, and let's stand for the reading of God's Word. So chapter 4, verse 25. says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not Give the devil a foothold. Please be seated. Let's jump into this. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about anger. Anger in the Bible as it's described, what it is, uh, and even how it's useful, how, how God uh, uses anger, um, how we can use it to be a force of, of good, goodness in the earth, and... Um, and so that actual passage that we just read from Ephesians says, therefore, you know, we must put off falsehood. We're, there's so much deception and falsehood in, in the world right now. You can just see people just lying through their teeth, whether it's media or politicians. I mean, just there's just a, a lot going down right now. We know that's how it will be at the end of the age. Great deception. Jesus describes it as so. Uh, but we're not to be deceived, and we're to be ones who actually speak truth. Speakers of truth, right? Truth in love with a motivation of love, of goodwill for all people. And even speaking truth to, to uh, people that would be against us and uh, having an aggressive um, goodwill, an aggressive goodwill. Not just passive, well, you know, I've learned to forgive that person and, you know, I no longer carry bitterness, but I sure don't want to see him. I sure don't want to, you know, and there's a place where God says, no, do good, do action, do good to those who mistreat you. See, the gospel is just from another world, from another planet. It's so inhuman. Humanity would be like, hey, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Man, you done me wrong, I'll do you wrong. That's the, the, but the Bible says, no, make room for the Lord. The vengeance is the Lord. Let, let the Lord do the repaying. Our job is, is that we have a debt, and it's to love one another, love one another, even our enemies. I mean, it's such an outrageous gospel compared to the, the normal mode, the MO of humanity. And that's why I love it. You can't touch that. Even, even Joe Rogan, I heard him the other day, he, maybe he's warming up to, to Jesus here because the other day he was saying, you know, if you think about it, uh, the words of Jesus like make a lot of sense. He was, he was basically saying, you know, if you think about it, it would be, be a lot better journey in this life if everyone just did what Jesus said. He goes, I'm not sure about the resurrection and walking on water and all that stuff, but, but if you think about the DNA of what he's saying, the words, I mean, it would be a lot better life if we embrace the words of Jesus. Hey, Jesus is the word. Hey, when, when someone starts warming up to the words of Jesus, hey, they're, they're coming closer to, to, to the, the, the divine one, the son of God, the son of man. So let's pray for Joe Rogan. Let's pray for those who have influence over our culture that they would have encounters. Because it, how many people have figured out there's a culture war going down? I mean, like maybe like never before. I mean, the extremity of, of, of what is happening in America and even globally 
It's, it's an outrageous time to be alive. Who's glad to be alive? God put you here, right? If you like action, you got in on the right time, okay? There's nothing, nothing uh, passive about this time, and, and we should not be passive. You don't want to sleep through this one. And so here we are talking about um, anger, and, uh, and it talks about, but in your anger, who's ever been angry? Welcome to humanity. <laughs> but it's, it's not just, watch this, it's not just humans that get angry. God gets angry. I read in a commentary that it talks more about God's anger than, in his, than his love. I mean, I haven't gone and counted all the times, but we kind of gloss over all the times we see the, the, the righteousness of the righteous indignation of God flaring up all through the Bible. And we see it, and we're kind of like, oh, you know, that's, he's a little temperamental. I'm not sure about that part. Let's move on to the love. Right? We'll just skip over, skip over. But there are so many passages about God's righteous anger. And he says, in your anger, or another translation says, be angry. What? You just got permission to be angry. Be angry and do not sin. That's the key. It's like, what are you going to do with your anger? Because anger can be one of the most powerful motivators of humanity. Where all of a sudden things are happening and you're finally like, okay, I'm angry now. (laughs) Anyone ever played sports? And, and you finally like, okay, that's it, man. I was angry the other day. Yesterday they were whooping me on, on bowling. And I was like, but it didn't work. My anger didn't, didn't, didn't pan out too well. I was like, I just got more and more angry. But sometimes it works. <laughs> uh, oh, Lord. But it, it, we had a good time, though. It was, it was Corey's birthday. Yay. Got, got to remember that part. It was Corey's birthday. <laughs> but, but anger can be a powerful tool. If it's used correctly, if you know how to channel it, you know how to, how to, how to take the inertia of what it is and, and where is it going. If you suppress it, anyone tried suppressing anger? How'd that work out for you? It just, you know, it just, just blows up eventually. It's going to pop out and it's going to be ugly. So we have to know how to manage, someone say manage, our emotions. Okay? But anger is a, is a warning sign. It's like it tells us, wait, something's wrong or something... And a lot of times it has to do with, with um, injustice at the root of it. Like people start getting angry when something's wrong or you're being treated wrong. Or I mean, look at all the bullying going on in our culture. Remember we were, 10 years ago, there was all like, don't bully, bully, no bully, no bully. You know, it was like the big bullet, no anti-bully thing. And now it's just like the very people that were saying, you know, we're not for bullying. Like they're just like plowing people over with their agenda and bullying people and and forcing people out of jobs and forcing people out of restaurants and on and on and on, you know. And so you can see uh, a lot of times people are just gaslighting or they're just like putting up a smoke screen, right? Like, oh, we're virtue signaling, all these things that you hear about. Like, we're just acting like we're all that. But when it comes down to it, people are starting to show their, their hand. They're starting to tip their hat. And they're starting to see, see like, oh, this is what people are really made of. These people are flaring up and they're being exposed. And there's a spirit behind it. It's not the people. There's, a, there's powers and principalities that control people, that control nations and governments and churches, right? And these things, there's a lot of exposure. Anyone seeing it? Are you awake? And so we're seeing this. And how do you manage such a thing when you see such a degradation of society and a moral landslide, uh, and, and, and you're like going, what is happening? I mean, it's easy to kind of get mad or angry. It's like, you're like, what? this happened on my watch, man. This is supposed to be my run at life here. This is supposed to be my nation. This is supposed to be, you know, 
And, and, and so there's something that we can't just stuff what we're seeing. We have to know what to do with it. Is this making sense? But it says don't, you know, uh, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. We, we need to be able to embrace the shalom of God, the peace of God, because if it's a, a bitter root, the, the devil gets a foothold. He gets a foothold. He, he, he gets a portion of your real estate. He gets a piece of your soul, or he's got a little hook in you. And at the right time, he will yank you. He knows when to yank the chain, I'm telling you. Okay, so we got to keep our souls and our hearts clean before the Lord. Don't give the devil a foothold. Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Okay? So again, it's, it's managing emotions, not suppressing um, and so let's take a look at the, the Bible. Let's take a look at some, some scripture and some attributes of what is anger and how does God deal with it. First point I want to I bring to you. Well, first of all, I want, I want to say this. How many of you guys have saw um, just this week, amazing timing, I think, but uh, the, the freedom convoy that's coming across Canada. See, I feel like there's, there's an ingenious strategy right there. So it's like one thing to get upset and see, man, they're taking away our freedoms. They're taking away, you know, we don't even have choice of what's being put in our bodies anymore. And, and on and on and on. And, and, and believe me, it doesn't stop there. Once you give up one right, it just continues like a domino effect. And so there's people watching this, living through this lockdown. If you stop it, it's so normal to us now. Yeah, we're on, we're on lockdown again. I was like, lockdown? Are you kidding me? We're the land of the free. I mean, Canada's the strong and the brave. And, and it's like... And, and, and who likes to be locked up and shut down? You know, we understand there's, there's sickness and there's caution. I'm not against all this stuff. However, we have gotten so brainwashed by what is happening. The, the, the propaganda of the, of the media has literally, uh, we're just starting to take it as normal. Yeah, we're on, not, we're on lockdown again. You know, they're, yeah, we're going virtual again. You know, all this stuff. And it's like, and I believe that, that people are waking up and leave it to some truck drivers. Massive. They've already broken the Guinness World Record of the longest convoy of the world. And they're coming from both sides. And they're trying to shut them down, coming across the French side of Quebec. They're coming from both sides. And now it's like a domino effect. I've heard of like four or five other nations that are starting convoys of freedom, going to Ottawa, going to the capital city. Uh, somehow the... The, the uh, prime minister uh, got sick and is in self-isolation right now as all the trucks are showing up. <laughs> it's interesting how everything is coming out, guys, and you need to find yourself on the right side of history. And all I know about God is he loves freedom. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. And, and God, and I, I, you know, some people say, well, don't bring the politics into the church, you know, da-da-da-da. Yeah, I understand some of that to some degree. But I think this separation of church and politics is partly why we are where we are. The, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, these things, is to protect the church from the government. But the, that, that's what it is, when the overreach of the government. But, but the church and the body of Christ and the believers are to be a voice in society. If we're not a voice, if we're not a light, it's just utter darkness. Is this making sense to anyone? And some of this just comes from anger of like, are you kidding me? This is happening. Now this is happening. They said it was only 14 days to, to, to slow the spread. Don't overwhelm 
the medical system. And now here we are two years later and, and power overreach. And I'm telling you guys, it's time to speak up. It's time. To, the genius strategy of the of a freedom convoys of trucks coming in, I just believe there's something to it. The salt of the earth, a good old boy driving a truck saying we're going peacefully. They, they sign a contract saying it's all peaceful, but we're not just sitting on this anymore. And I'm telling you guys, if there's a window when a tyrant begins to, to, um, to expose its ugly head, there's a window of opportunity. There's a window of opportunity that if you can see it and you can get through that breakthrough when the window comes, you got an opportunity to flip the, whole, flip the script, change the story, okay? But a tyrant, you know what a tyrant loves the most? Tyrant loves silence. Because then he just keeps going, just keeps going. A friend of mine said up in Canada, what was been been happening is they'll put something out on the media like, yeah, we're thinking on doing this. We're thinking on a third booster. We're thinking on a fourth booster. We're thinking on shutting this down. We're thinking on doing this with education. And they would just put it out there and see if there was any kickback. And if there wasn't, hey, hey we're home free, man. Just two, two weeks later, they roll it out. They weren't just thinking it. They were just ready to roll, steamroll society. So if there's not a voice of resistance... And you might say, well, what's this got to do with church? Let's go back to the Bible. Well, I'll tell you what it's got to do with church. Uh, I'm passionate about the gospel. Are you passionate about the gospel? Well, if you're passionate about the gospel, you would enjoy and appreciate some freedom to be able to preach that gospel and get as many saved in your lifetime as possible. We lose those freedoms. The church goes underground, and you pay a big price just to speak the name of Jesus. Why not keep what we have and use it so we don't lose it? It's for the purpose of the harvest that we are jealous for these things. Does this make sense? I mean, we need to preserve freedoms. Okay, let's get into this. Okay, um, so for point number one, here we, we'll get to it. We'll pray for the truckers in Canada. Pray for the truckers that all these nations are beginning to rise up. Let's pray for peace. Let's pray for divine order. Let's pray that there's no traps and that actually change can come. Okay? We pray that in Jesus' name. So number one, anger is not evil. Anger in itself is not evil. All through the Bible, we see God is angry. You might say, whoa, that don't sound like the gospel. We see it all through the Bible. We see, now, we see that he's slow to anger, but we see his emotions constantly. You just read through the prophets, read through the, the, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, read through the New Testament, we see that there is an anger that the Lord has. There's a wrath, the wrath of the Lord, okay? Now, the devil wants you to be angry, and he wants you to pervert it. He wants you to channel it in the wrong direction and get yourself in trouble. The, The enemy loves to twist things, right? He wants you to take revenge into your own hands. He wants to matters in your own hands, and uh, um. But we, we see, let me give you a couple of scriptures. Psalms 103 says, For the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, okay, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. So praise be to God. He's slow to anger. He's gracious. He's forgiving. And that's why it's the good news. Now, Another psalm, Psalm 1711, says, God is a righteous judge, a God who expresses his wrath every day. Probably never heard that one before, have you? 
A God, a God who expresses his wrath every day, every single day. God is working and he's releasing anger, wrath, judgment. He's dealing with injustice. He's dealing with the wicked. And we know, you can, you can dig a lot deeper now, but that, that, just, just to ponder that for a moment. Yes, he's a God of love, unfailing love, everlasting love. Absolutely. But there's a side to God that you don't really want to see. I don't want to see it. I want to be under the blood, <laughs> pleading the blood of Jesus. Okay? He's a righteous God, a righteous judge, a holy God. In Nahum uh, chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 2, it says, The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and maintains his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. So looking at this, he's, 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 we know that the Lord is a jealous God. He's an avenging God. A lot of times we don't want to think about these attributes of God. We're like, I don't know. It sounds a little too intense. Can we go back to the love part? But I think how many people want the, the full array of who God is and his splendor and, and even embracing the fear of the Lord? I mean, wherever you see the fear of the Lord, it's a, it's a gateway to holiness. I don't believe you can really have holiness in the church if we don't embrace the fear of the Lord because it's just, it's just too loose. It's just kind of, you know, sloppy agape, you know. And, and, and God calls us to a, a standard. He says, be holy as I am holy. Wow. So Exodus chapter 34, let's go there for a moment. 34 verse 5, I think it is. Um, it says, then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord, and passed in front of, oh, sorry, the Lord passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to a thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Sounds like something we just read, wasn't it? He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the father up to the third and fourth generation. What is that? We, our sins have ramification on our children, on generations. So when, when a nation or, or a family, a, a father, a mother, uh, when, when we open a door to sin, it has ramifications. It's not just, we're not just living for ourselves. We're not islands. And so when we change a rule, an ungodly rule that's against the very values of the Bible, it, it affects the nation. And so the Lord uh, desires to be gracious to us, abounding in love and maintaining, I love this, maintaining love to thousands, it's thousand generations. And, and, and yet he says, but watch out because there's also a punishment that comes upon children because of the sins of the fathers. Okay? We, know, we, we read in the Bible about the great day of his wrath. Who can stand? The wrath of the Lamb. In Revelation 6, verse 16. I got a lot of scripture coming at you, so if you want to look it up, you can, or just concentrate when I read it. Uh, Revelation 6, 16 says, they called to the mountains. These are the people at the end times in the tribulation where everything's shaking, rattling, and rolling. And uh, it says, they call to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us 
from the face of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. So they're like, I'd rather die right now than see the face of the Lamb, the wrath of the Lamb. Still love God? Still trust him? So let's move on to point number two. So man's anger is not productive. Now we know that God has a holy anger, a, a, a righteous judgment, holy in, indignation. Okay, so when He moves out of anger, it's it's flawless, it's perfect. Okay, but when we move out of anger, how many people have tried that? How'd it work out for you? <laughs> a lot of times it's pretty messy, pretty messed up, and uh, so we got to be careful because we're. We only see in part, and we're fallible, and uh, we are sinners saved by grace, and we're susceptible to falling right back into uh, wicked things. And so James says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Man's anger. Someone say man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Sometimes you got to learn to take a walk and just cool down. I mean, when we operate out of anger and say things we, we regret later, I mean, how many things could be dissipated, cooled off, if we just leave a little space and don't just react in the flesh, okay? Does this make sense? For man's anger does not bring the righteous life that God desires. So... Um, Colossians 3 verse 8 says but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice slander, filthy language from our lips we're to rid ourselves of these things Okay. now you, you might say well, wait, wait, wait a second, we just said be angry but don't sin well, we'll get to that but this is speaking of the works of the flesh okay the anger of the flesh just flying off the hook, the rage, the malice, these things, slander, when we, our mouth begins to speak forth, we're to rid ourselves of these things. Um, we know that Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. What happens when everyone's offended? It's, it can get pretty ugly, right? And that's part of what we're dealing with in our culture right now, a very offended culture, anger. And, and, and malice and things uh, brewing under the surface of our, of our hearts, really. And, uh, and I believe that God wants to release a fragrance of Christ, an opposite spirit, that if, if anger does come out of us, it's pure. It's, it's, it's motivated in a way that, that is productive and not destructive, okay? Uh, Proverbs 16.32 says, better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. You might say, wow, taking a city is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I want to be part of that. I'm believing for Nashville. Come on, y'all. We believe this is a, a, a holy ground. It's destined, Nashville's destined to be a city of light, and you're part of that light if you, if you profess Jesus. But here it says, better a patient man. There's, there's just... Something God can do with patient people that wait on the word of the Lord, wait on the strategy. We talked about, was it last week, Joshua? They got the strategy, the, the unique strategy of marching around 
Jericho seven times and how peculiar and profound it was. And then God shows up. Well, they, it took some patience. It took some restraint. They could have just went out there and just started slinging stuff at the, you know, let's, let's climb that wall, you know. If enough of us do at the same time, we can make this. But God has, his ways are not our ways. They're better. Amen? So much better. Okay, let's go. Uh, uh, Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms the quarrel. The anger of man, what does it do? Hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. The Lord hates dissension, division among the brothers. Okay, Proverbs 19, 11. Um, a man's wisdom gives him patience. You might think, well, how am I going to get, how am I going to diffuse? How am I going to be patient? How am I have the fruits of the Spirit? Um, it says, it is to his glory, watch this, to overlook an offense. You ever been there, done that? You got an offense, and you're like, man, I, I got to retaliate, man. I got to get back. I got to speak up for myself. I got to do something. And there's sometimes where I think the Holy Spirit will counsel you and say, calm down, be patient. I'll give you some wisdom here right now. It is to your glory if you overlook this offense. You don't want to fight every battle. <laughs> Choose your battles wisely. Does this make sense? You know? And, and there's times where you just go, you know what? Yeah, that guy was acting like a fool or an idiot or whatever, you know? But... I'm going to overlook it, and I'm going to diffuse the whole situation here right now. And this happens in family units. It happens between mothers and daughters and sons and fathers. And, you know, like some, some of the deepest hurts and offenses come in the, in the family reality. And yet the Lord says, it is to your glory to overlook offenses. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Aren't you grateful for that? How many people have a multitude of sins of your own, right? And the God's covered us over. Amen? So righteous anger, there is such a thing. Okay? But there's also unrighteous anger, the, the anger of man that causes bitterness, unforgiveness, uh, unthinking, emotional f reactions and, and flare-ups and, and, and things we later look back and go, man, that wasn't so good. You know? I remember uh, one time when, um, actually, this was, it's interesting. This just came to my mind, so I'll, I'll share you about it. But it was um, actually a time that I felt the righteous anger. That's probably why I'm sharing it. I don't want to tell you about my unrighteous anger. Uh, uh, uh. But, no, this just came to my mind. We were doing a roundtable in here with all these leaders uh, from all across America, like some profound people all together. And we had made an agreement with this particular person. I don't get into any names, nothing like that. But there was an agreement made, and we had really worked hard as a ministry and brought all this together. And this is back in the day when we were just in the hood, and we didn't have much money. or, you know. But somehow we had this prophetic kind of anointing. When we sounded the trumpet, people would come. So all these heavyweight people are here. And we had I remember working months to pull this thing together. And, and there was a two-day roundtable, the first day and the second day. And then in between the first day and the second day, someone comes to me. Who had made an I made an agreement with and just totally changes everything. Changes everything. Says basically, like, we're taking all this back, everything we said. And, like, and I'm sitting there going, what is happening? This isn't at all. Like, you looked me in the face and said it was going to be this way, and now it's happening that way. And I remember thinking, and then right in front of everyone the next day, they begin to change the whole thing, like switching everything that was agreed upon, everything we worked for, everything that people even rallied for, the whole purpose that people came. The guy starts changing this. Okay, and I remember 
something came over me. And I'm just a young guy. I was with all these old, I'm like maybe 32 or so, four or something. And I got all these 50, 60-year-old guys. And, and I remember something came over me. And it was, a, I believe, we'll see when I get to heaven how it how was actually <laughs> sorted out. But I believe it was a righteous anger. And I remember I just like literally took my glasses and I went, boom, and broke my glasses into pieces. Wish I could have those back. They were, they were pretty cool. But, but anyways, um, and, and I remember I stood up, and I had tears going down my face, and I was like, and I, I mean, I rebuked, man, up one side, down the other, and then I sat down. I basically like, y'all have it. What are you going to do with it now? Because I was the one who had called people, not that I was all that at all, but there was an agreement. There was a, a clear trumpet call why they were coming, and this one gentleman shifts the whole thing for his own selfish gain, and, and I'm just like, okay, now y'all sort it out. I'm done. I said my part. You know where to find me. I'll be in the hood. You know? And it was a righteous indignation. People said they felt like an earthquake hit when I, my fist hit that, that the thing. And I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty chill guy. I mean, I'm not like one who just goes off like that. And it was just like, I felt it was like the, the fire of God rose up and said, you've broke covenant. You've betrayed. You've shifted on this. And I'm not tolerating it. I could tell you more. That day got weirder and weirder, but <laughs> they gave, they, we had this beautiful sword in the middle of the table. This beautiful Solomon sword is mine. Okay, we put it there because round table, you know, knights of, you know, you need a sword, the knights of King Arthur and all this stuff. You know, just imagery, right? It's in the Bible. It was the sword of the spirit, right? So we had it all sitting there, and this guy who did this bizarre shift, he gets up, and he takes the sword, and he goes and he knights someone, this guy from Australia, out of the blue, and then gives him the sword. And then later on, <laughs> I wish I could tell you, tell you names. I wish I could tell you names. Later on, someone says, he's just trying to sort out what is happening because everything has changed and is bizarre. And the guy says, near the end of the day, goes, and, and by the way, we need to figure out whose sword you just gave away. <laughs> <laughs> trying to sort it out, yeah. Austin's out of control. Okay, I got to finish my points here. I got off into story. I got stories for days, guys, I'll tell you. But it, it turned out well. It turned out well. God actually shifted the whole thing. But it was wild. It was righteous indignation. Ah! Have you ever had that come over you? If not, you got something to look forward to. At some point, it, God will probably extend himself through you in such a way, and we just pray that our hearts will be clean and he'll use it for good. Amen? Okay, let's go on. Jesus was angry, point number three. Point number three, Jesus himself, yes, the righteous one, the sinless one. He was angry. Uh, there's one time in Mark chapter 3, verse 5, it says, He, being Jesus, looked at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched out, and his hand was completely restored. So who was he angry at with? The Pharisees and Sadducees who are constantly trying to trap him. And there's a man there who's, who needs healing, obviously had a shriveled hand, the whole thing. And, but it says, you know, we always, we always say, man, you know, Jesus, he always healed. Like, and, and most of the time you do, you say, when he was moved with compassion, deep compassion for people and, and you know, uh, the bowels of compassion and, you know, stuff. And, and, it's, and it's true, like most of the time. But look at this. It says, Jesus, out of anger and deep distress at, people, at rebellious, stubborn hearts, he heals the guy. See, Jesus can do it all different ways because he's perfect, okay? It says he's looking at, 
at the Pharisees, that, re- that hideous religious spirit that would rather keep people, keep, keep people um, in, in their dysfunction and their, and their, their spirit of infirmity and, and all the pain. He'd rather keep them shackled in that and in a religious spirit. And Jesus comes along and tries to begin to heal people, and they're resisting it. And, and out of anger, he calls this man. He says, stretch out your hand. He heals him in front of everyone. He's completely healed. Indignation. What, what about Jesus when he turns the tables? Huh? Are the money changers? And the zeal of the Lord has consumed me. This is our Jesus. You know, little baby in the manger. He grew up and he's got some indignation. And he's got something to say when there's injustice, when there's perversion. He's got something to say to America right now. Are we hearing it? Are we on his side? Can we be angry and not sin? Let's not do that yet. I'm not, I'm not quite there. Sorry. I'm still, that's, that's not going to be the mood. We're still, we're still dealing with anger. You got to play something angry, it'll be okay. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty, though. It was, it was calming me down. I was like, oh. but I got a couple points left, okay? Okay, ready? So turning the tables, we'll keep moving here. Um, God is angry about sin. Point number four. God is angry about sin, and he always will be. Okay? We should be angry about sin. Sin in our own life, we, should, we can't tolerate it. We can't just, just wink at it and go, if God is angry to the point where, where uh, he would bring a solution, we're so angry at the devil and trapping his people and tempting us and dragging us to hell with him that he would send Jesus such a sacrifice. Okay? Um, um, and so we have to hate what God hates. We're, we're called to be imitators of God. To love what he loves, to hate what he hates. Sin is like a cancer. It destroys people, individuals. It destroys families, cities, nations. Nations groan when they're under a heavy yoke of sin and oppression, tyranny. And God hates it. It's for freedom that Christ sets you free. And so he calls us to repentance. Okay? That's how we deal with sin. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But the worldly sorrow brings death. So there's a lot of sorrowful people right now, and they're just wallowing in death if they don't know Jesus. People in depression. They say depression is all-time high, mental disease right now. These lockdowns didn't work out so well. And a lot of people are waking up and starting to see it. And if there's any voice that should come out that's clear and true and prophetic, it's the voice of the church, the bride, who, who get, gets righteous indignation and say, enough of this. And we begin to speak truth. If we're not going to speak truth now, I mean, we're gonna, I'm telling you, people are going to look back on these days in history, these last couple of years, and, and they're going to say, what side were you on? They're going to look back and say, uh, the, the kind of deception, the kind of upheaval of society, the kind of pain and, and misery that's come upon because of a, a tyranny and a, a power grab. I'm telling you guys, there is a power grab. That's what the Antichrist spirit is ultimately one big power grab to control the whole world at the end of the age. Money, you know, everything digital. We got the technology for all of it. it can be used for good or, or evil. And we see what it's trying to be used for right now. And I don't believe we're there yet. I believe it was a practice run. But I believe there's going to be a righteous uh, uprising that's going to say, no, we still got work to do. 
We still got a harvest. We got souls to bring in. We got to have a purpose. We have a destiny. How about this young generation? I'm telling you, when young people, you got an anointing when you're young to start a revolution. You watch most, almost all revolutions are young people rising up. Okay? And, and there's something that, that, you know, that God calls people at certain ages of their life. You know, when we're older, we're a little more seasoned wisdom. And you, you can be more of a voice of reasoning, but you can be a general with authority. Because you've been there, done that. You've lived through some things. So let me just give you one last thing here. Um, so this repentance, it says, uh, godly sorrow, what has it produced in you? Watch what it produces. Earnestness. What earnestness to, uh, to clear, clear yourselves. What indignation, it says. What alarm. What longing. What concern. What readiness to see justice done. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It says, this is what godly sorrow should bring in you. We don't, we think, well, I'm just, I'm clean. I got my sins off me. I'm okay now. Like, no, it's a lot more. Godly sorrow should, should put in you an eagerness to be, to be clean. Uh, it should put in you an indignation. There you go again, a righteous anger, an alarm. Some people should be alarmed right now, yeah. not sleeping through these times. Is this making sense? Yeah. And uh, a longing. And a readiness to see justice done. A ready, godly sorrow and repentance brings us to a place of, I want to see justice in my life. I want to see justice in my nation. I want to see justice in my city, not in my Tennessee. And it's taking ownership. It's like, I remember the early days when we came here, I said, not in my city. We're not going to allow these inner cities. Remember Kenny, Vicky, but we're like, uh-uh, not on my dime. It's not going to go down like this for decades after decades. Over here, we got the merry-go-round of rich people, and we all go to church. And over here is a crater of our city where we have fatherless kids, and everyone is pretty much destined to, for death or addiction or, or prison. And on and on, prostitution. And so there comes to something where it rises up, and you go, wow, I'm called to be a voice for such a time as this. It does, it's not like you have to do everything, but you do what the Holy Spirit gives you to do. And I remember, you know, looking at Nehemiah, that was our blueprint in the early days of the inner city when we tackled the hood back in the day, starting in 93 when it began. And I remember the Lord said, Nehemiah is your blueprint. And there's one part where Nehemiah, he basically hears that his own countrymen have been put back into slavery. After they got the breakthrough, they built the wall, big celebration, choirs sing and everything. And all of a sudden it digresses back. He comes back and he sees that the sons and daughters have been enslaved. They're powerless. Uh, they're being abused in the fields and the vineyards. And he said, and when I heard their outcry, he heard a voice. He heard a cry. Can you hear a cry beyond just the BLM political, politicized, Marxist issues. Can you hear a cry underneath all that of some hurting people that just fatherless kids that are just lashing out and looting and, and, have, and have, you know, they're misguided? Can you hear a cry beyond that? And just, some people just write it off. Oh, that's political or that's political. But can we hear the cry of humanity underneath things? And he says, when I heard this, this outcry and I heard these charges against my own fellow men enslaving the sons and daughters, he goes, I was very angry. And I pondered in my mind and then accused the nobles and the officials. Funny how those guys are, those elites, man, they're always getting in trouble, always getting themselves abusing people. And I accused the nobles and the officials for what they were doing. They're exacting usury from their own countrymen. And he dealt with them. He caused a large meeting. He exposed the sin and he corrected it. 
That was all from Nehemiah uh, chapter 5, verse 5, starting verse 5. We're almost ready. We can play the keyboard. Got to figure out how to land this ship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. True biblical anger attacks sin. Starting with our own lives. You remember Moses and the rock. He, because of his anger, it kept them out of the promised land. After all those miracles, the ten plagues, and all the miracles they saw, and the meeting with God on top of the mountain, and the, the Ten Commandments and everything. And when he lashed out in his own anger, he said, sorry, I can't bring you into the promised land. Ang- anger can be dangerous. We have to harness it for God's glory. But it shouldn't be ignored. Like, when you start feeling a surge of justice running through your vein, don't just suppress and go, oh, no, I'm not. i got to be a mild-mannered Christian. i got nothing to say. Separate church and state. Separate everything. We'll just be our little bubble over here. Well, I'm telling you, God's come to pop the bubble and get the church loosed and free and be a voice while we still can. Make it sense? Oh, boy. <laughs> and so Jesus, oh, sorry, not Jesus, but one last thing. You think of even when we're serving in church, you can start now. It's a good time. Thank you. There's, there's, you know, the prodigal son. You think of the story where the, the one son goes off and squanders his inheritance in the world and, you know, becomes an addict, comes all messed up by the world and finally comes limping back, says, man, it'd be better if I just serve him in my father's house. If he would just have compassion on me, I'm going to try going back, see if it works. And, but then you see this, the elder son, and you see he's, he's, he's irritated. He's angry. He's serving in the house, his father's house, but he's just ready to go off. You know, he says, man, this, you know, you're treating this, this sinner, this prodigal like this with all this mercy and you're a party for him. And I've been, serve, I've been serving all this time. There's, there's all types of anger and jealousy that can come upon us. And, and God wants to purge us of it. That on, The only kind of anger, the only kind of indignation that would come out of us is pure and it's made to shift and shake and shape society and set captives free when you say man I just can't stand to see these people addicted on the streets or I can't you know things God will bring a justice issue a longing to do justice it's part of our inheritance but don't be the elder son who's just got an anger just because someone else was supposedly treated better than you or didn't work out the way you thought. So many people are sidelined and from their calling because of that, that bitterness in the soul that just goes, you know, what about me? And you know, Jesus says, what, if, what is it to you if, if they live forever? You must serve me the way I've called you. We get so caught up in comparing ourselves and, and a lot of times it's the root of, of jealousy and that jealousy in Cain and Abel was the very thing that caused murder when there's only two sons on the planet. And Cain kills Abel. And so that anger has to be dealt with. We have to have a clean heart before the Lord. And I believe if we clean our heart, cleanse our heart of these things, then God can extend a pure anger that can change society through you. You're like, wow, I never thought of desiring pure anger. 
Welcome to the Bible. Be an imitator of God. Righteousness and justice, indignation is part of our inheritance to deal with the oppressor, to deal with injustice. So let's take a moment. Let's just allow our hearts to be cleansed. I went a little longer than normal, but I had to get get through that. Let's take a moment and let's let's just ask the Lord for a cleansing. Create in me a clean heart, a pure heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Forgive us when we've let the sun go down on our anger. Forgive us, God, when we've allowed the devil a foothold and it's stolen from our inheritance, it's stolen from our effectiveness, our ability to think straight and see straight. We ask for a cleansing right now, Lord. Lord, we want to learn what it means to be angry and not to sin. And the spirit of might rises up on the saints. The spirit of might. I've been called for such a time as this. I'll be a voice of justice. I'm called to set captives free and bring good news to the poor. Lord, help us be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Would you do that in us, Lord? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And this, this a message like this might expose some unhealed areas in you, and that's okay. That's You might say, man, I got an area all the way back to my family line. I've got something... You know, that I just feel like I, I need a, a cleansing. I need to be free. And, and I, I encourage you to follow that. Follow those thoughts. The Holy Spirit might bring something up, an area where you were abused, an area where you were betrayed. And if it's not been cleansed and washed in the blood of the Lamb, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, would you give us a mix, uh, uh, anger without mixture, a pure anger, Lord, a pure justice, as you have, God. We don't want to end up being a Moses and go so far in the things of the Lord and then blow it at the last minute. Lord, deliver us. Cleanse our soul, Lord. Let us not suppress these emotions, Lord, that they're, they're just going to blow at the wrong time. The devil knows just when to light your fuse can destroy a marriage and destroy a family. People people are in, in prison just because of a moment of anger. How many people that we talked to all the years in the prison ministry, like just a moment, just a bad day, they went off they, and, and now they're paying for it. And they're the ones that got caught. Deliver us, Lord. Heal us, Lord. Bring us godly sorrow, Lord. That brings repentance and leaves no regret. And we'd be eager to 
be clean. We'd be eager to see righteousness and justice, Lord. We pray these things now in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit. Just take a moment. Just let Holy Spirit speak and then we'll close out. I just feel like there's a sober spirit of just like, Lord, bring in a cleansing. Repositioning us to be a voice. To be a trumpet of justice in our land. You know, you've heard over and over this last I want to leave you one last thought that, that fear is contagious. It spreads like like crazy, right? People panic. But I, I want to submit to you that courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. And a lot of people are just waiting for a courageous people to rise up. They're just waiting. They're waiting for someone that they go, oh, there it is. There it is. If they can do it, we can do it. Thank you, Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. you need prayer, we have some of our team will come up and just be available. We're going to dismiss, but if, if, you, if you're here and you're like, I don't want to leave without prayer, let's, let's, we'll be available right up at the front here. Uh, just for time's sake, I'm going to go ahead and pray a prayer dismissal, And uh, but if you need prayer, we're, we're here for you. Maybe the pillars that are here or some of our staff, if there's people that need just a prayer of agreement and freedom here this day, don't, don't leave without getting what you need that your cup will be filled to overflow this day in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this time together. And we, we, we give you praise, Lord. We're, we're, we tremble at your word, Lord. We tremble at the power of your word, Lord, to transform lives, to set captives free, to, to set nations free. And we believe you for all of this now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Just come up if you need prayer on any of these issues that were brought up. Be blessed.